Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Den podcast. I'm joined by the one and only Richard Arnold, um, Good Morning Britain presenter, formerly Strictly contestant um, and very much an actor too. Um, Richard, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast um, from acting, presenting and even having your own show. Um, you have really done it all. How are you feeling? Ah, well, do you know what? That's, that, that, that's the most flattering in- intro I've had in, in the last sort of 25, six years or so of being on the box. And, oh, goodness me, even longer than that in radio. So, so thank you. you. You've flattered me from the outset. Um, uh, to be brutally frank, it's blowing a gale down here um, in North London at the moment. I don't know what has happened with our, our weather, but they always say never cast a clout till May is out, don't they? But I, there is a bird's nest that's just blown down. I'm happy to say that it was egg free, but there's a bird's nest that's blown down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my dog and I just inspected it. I, I thought um, uh, it was debris from um, swooping up earlier at the weekend. <laughs> I, I got a tension. I had no idea about the workmanship involved in a bird's nest. I mean, it's extraordinary. <laughs> I may give it to my colleague Charlotte Hawkins to wear next time she goes on one of her horsey gigs <laughs> um, as the season uh, kicks off. But yeah, yeah, we're all good here. We're, we're, we're uh, like, I think like uh, many people, we're um, having hunkered down for so long and rightly so, we are now sort of uh, merging, blinking uh, into the light again and uh, the end of the tunnel seems to mm. be getting a little bit closer. So we're, we're in thoroughly robust and good spirits, sir. Glad to see. I mean, I've just something just popped up on my phone that um, new lockdown easing restrictions are coming. How do you feel about that? Well, delighted. I I think um, for a lot of people who weren't caught at the raw end and at, at the front of the engine of this insidious pandemic that we've obviously all been dealing with collectively since well last March. Um, uh, it, it's a it's twofold because all, all, all we had to do really was stay inside, keep safe and, and, and obey the rules. Mm. And it's interesting that once you emerge from that sort of construct and those restrictions that adding even the simplest of layers back to your life, be it meeting friends in a pub, uh, of course, which we can soon do indoors as well. So uh, here mm. in um, England, at least. So it, 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 it's weird because our worlds have, all of our worlds have been so reduced and, and diminished that, um, like I say, just adding the simplest of layer back uh, is, is a fascinating one. And it's something that's been the subject of, of a lot of conversation. Obviously, at Good Morning Britain, we cover the show every uh, cover the subject every day. But yeah. uh, personally, a lot of phone calls and a lot of conversations and Zooms that I've had with mates. <laughs> You know, we, we lived, uh, you know, large, if you like, before all mm. of this, like many people. And and now we're adding the simplest of layers back. It's a bit like, oh, wow. OK, yeah, you're sort of negotiating that. You know, it, it's very weird. I, th- I think as humans, which is the wonderful thing, it's the one thing that the stats don't factor in, of course, is that we, you know, the human spirit is, uh, well, it's predominantly indomitable. I mean, you know, life always finds a way, mm. but it's extraordinary how quickly we can adapt as well when our, our circumstances have been reduced to the point where, um, if I'm honest, I think my brain started to run to atrophy <laughs> sort of after about three or four months uh, into the pandemic. Uh, but like I say, it feels like that, you know, that we're nearing the end of the tunnel. And um, I feel very lucky that um, aside from a handful of friends and uh, colleagues 
managed to sort of weather it. But I think it's been a challenge for everybody on every level. And I think, I think particularly in the entertainment industry, which has been covered uh, quite a bit, obviously, um, we all consumed a great deal of entertainment, films, television and music during mm. the pandemic. Uh, but uh, I think we've perhaps underestimated the support clearly that the, the industry needs to, to reboot itself. And lots of colleagues of mine who work, who work in the industry, you, you, you sort of felt that you became an irrelevant worker overnight, you know? Mm. So it was, it was interesting. Uh, but, and then another uh, friend of mine compared it to childbirth the other day, and she should know <laughs> because she's had, she's had a couple. And she said, you know, it's almost like now that we're emerging from it, hopefully, um, and safely, it, it rather like childbirth. The, the, the reason you keep having children is because you forget the pain of childbirth. So <laughs> even though January and February, I'm sure for many people felt very, very bleak. Yeah, it almost feels like a lifetime ago already. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but it, it, it's extraordinary now that, as I say, we are um, hopefully coming out of it. That it, 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 it now feels like it's gone very, very quickly. I mean, I, I was in Scotland. I was, I was in Edinburgh. Uh, visiting friends from my old alma mater and uh, family friends just before the lockdown. So uh, that Monday uh, after Mother's Day. So I hoptailed it back from Alriki to, uh, yeah, to um, back to London. And it was quite a different trip from the trip we took up on the train, as you can imagine, yeah. I'm a much, much reduced company of players on the train. And um, one thing I'm very much looking forward to is the first thing I have booked is not a fly and flop on the Costas. Um, <laughs> it, it's a trip back to Edinburgh to see friends of ah. mine who I haven't seen, obviously, for well over a year. And uh, I think that's going to be very emotional because it's mm -hmm. the longest I've not seen them since 1988. So it's going to be quite the hooli and quite the reunion. <laughs> So I think I think like everyone else, Shane, we're just looking forward to adding the, the sort of the simpler pleasures back in life that, that um, through no fault of anyone's, we sort of took for granted, you know, the ability yeah. just to get a rattler and head up to Edinburgh and, and Aberdeen Sharon's NC friends and pals and that sort of thing. Mm. I mean, I know from lockdown myself that I've had to try and keep myself busy in any way I can. Um, I, 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 I got a fish tank and I got fish and everything and um, that lasted for about um, three months before um, they slowly started um, passing away of poor souls. But um, well, how, how you didn't unplug the fish tank? That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a textbook error. I had guppies once when I first moved yeah. into a flat a long time ago uh, in London, and uh, in the end, that the, with the greatest of respect to the guppies that I bought, uh, the fish tank really just became a, a, a nice water feature, a sort of lovely hue <laughs> that gave the room when, when the light <laughs> went down at night. Um, well, I, I, there's no frank confessional here from me. I, I built a lot of Lego. I've always been a massive Lego fan. And over the years, uh, I've been given sort of Lego on various birthdays, various um, boxes of different shapes and sizes. And dare I say, I still have a lot of Lego up in the loft from when I was uh, a nipper. Mm. And so I actually found that really, really relaxing. And I know I wasn't yeah. alone. I know the lots of, um, and by, by no means am I putting myself in this league. But, uh, you know, David Beckham, John Barrowman, uh, and I, I interviewed Danny Dyer on the set of The Wall. Uh, that would have been last September. And uh, he built everything from, from Hogwarts mm. to, uh, you know, the Herbie or whatever, you know, the, the, the Volkswagen, whatever. But he, he built a lot. And it was yeah. getting to the point where there was so much Lego in the house. I um, mean, <laughs> to let his, um, 
his wing, if you like, uh, uh, break it up. But yeah, I, I built a lot of Lego. And I, I did find actually that it focused the mind quite a bit. Mm. Um, and it goes back to that point. Again, I, I, it's sort of the inner child in me came out, if you like, because mm. in the absence of being able to control anything else, I sort of reverted to my seven-year-old type and just started um, building Lego. So um, not Duplo bricks, I hasten to add. I mean, there was some degree <laughs> of sophistication with the sets. But I, uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I found it quite the tonic. Yeah, I mean, I remember me as a young kid, uh, me and my mom sitting on the floor every night in the living room and, and picking out a picture uh, from online and seeing that we're going to build that from houses to elephants. Um, definitely one of the best moments um, in my childhood. What is one of the best um, things that you built with Lego? Oh, wow. Uh, what is one of the best things I've built out of Lego? I, I used to love the Lego um you know, the, the town stuff and the space mm. Lego was at work back then. So this is well before um, I was lucky enough to get godsons. And my godsons are complete, uh, two of them at least, are complete Star Wars fans. In fact, if I'm really, <laughs> really honest, out of the four of them, there's probably only one and he's the eldest. So he probably learned everything at my knee and uh, he became uh, quite the Lego fanatic. So we've bonded quite a bit over that. So I would argue probably the Death Star um, is our greatest mutual achievement. Mm. Uh, uh, so yeah, shout out for Arthur, my eldest <laughs> godson, uh, who is now shockingly, my friend, shockingly turning 18. Uh, next month and you know when you're old enough to to have a godson who's 18 and i remember him taking excuse me i remember taking him into the studio uh when our studios were on the south bank so it mm. would have been the good old days of sort of gmtv i mean i remember taking him into studio so uh it, Wow. I mean, where that time's gone, I've no idea. But I'm glad that we've managed to square the circle and that we're both now still building Lego at a riper date. <laughs> considerably younger than me. Very, very wholesome. I mean, for those who are watching on YouTube and for those who are watching, uh, listening on Spotify, Richard's got this amazing set um, in his shed. How did that come about? How long did he spend um, building this? Well, I'd like, yeah, I can build a Death Star, believe it or not, <laughs> but a, a shed, I can't build a shed. This was uh, a shed that was at the bottom of the garden, and it, it looks from, from, to all intents and purposes, from the outside, for those people who are old enough um, tuning in or listening, uh, it, it, it's very Swiss. It reminds me of Heidi and Goat Peter. That really does show my age, mate. Um, <laughs> I could do that in the edit, but I'm, I'm holding the book wide open for you today. Um, uh, it, it's very quaint. And inside, uh, clearly, I, I'm not a big DIY person. There's no uh, Black & Decker, no power tools here. Uh, but um, I have a desk from our friendly Swedish chums. Um, I have a fridge that is stocked with refreshing beverages. I make no apologies for that. <laughs> uh, and a few sort of uh, lights that I put up when, of course, very early on, it became apparent that I wasn't going to be going into the studio as much on a regular basis. And we'd be doing a lot of our broadcasts mm. from here in the morning. So uh, there's an oil heater on that note because uh, as, you know, powered up and, and, uh, 4G'd and Wi-Fi'd up um, my current accommodation <laughs> is at the bottom of my garden. It was Baltic Shane during the winter. So I'd run down <laughs> in the morning, put the heater on and uh, let it sort of warm up a bit until it was a wee bit toasty. 
Mm. Um, and then I'd come out here and, uh, and and do my bit for Good Morning Britain. Mm. So uh, it's been a bolt hole. I think, I mean, you know, anyone uh, who, who's got a man cave of sorts or just any place that they've been able to retreat to during this, um, well, it's been a real privilege, actually. It, it, it's drawn a lot of great dividends. Uh, and I, I, I spent quite a bit of time in here, and I did before, <laughs> because I worked yeah. a lot from here do my writing from here and and research from here but it, I, I don't know whether it's a middle life thing I'd like to call it middle youth so <laughs> and uh I, I I didn't realize quite how much I would love having a shed to retreat into you know <laughs> I, I, I take a lot of comfort from it um there's all sorts of memorabilia in here from various interviews that I've done I've got some original countdown letters from my various appearances in, in dictionary corner um mm. I have uh, there's lego here I mentioned the fridge uh just here there's a test card which uh the gang mocked up with me and my um my cockapoo clemian with a bit of uh, an inscription on it and that was to celebrate 25 years of being on uh, on on television national television mm. uh and do you know what they gave me that uh the day before i flew to the states and subsequently on to scotland just before lockdown so increasingly as the first lockdown proceeded i thought oh my goodness me that silver plate is actually a retirement <laughs> gift you know <laughs> it really felt like as i'm sure it did for a lot of people you know it was like oh goodness me this is game over um uh, but yes yeah, full of <laughs> memories and uh, all sorts of uh tat uh but yeah I, I i do i get a lot of comfort from it um, it, it's been quite the bolt hole, you know, and, and I'm lucky to have the space, you know, I'm lucky to have the space. Mm. Uh, I, I retreat in here more often than really is probably healthy, if I'm really honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what's been great, Shane, is I've done a lot of my interviews from here, as I said to you before. So I've had some extraordinary guests in uh, my shed, you know, <laughs> I think I've sort of sat in the shed talking to Dolly Parton or Gloria mm. Estefan or, uh, you know, Keith Urban, or you, you just, just, and you find yourself rather like we're doing now is you find yourself having interviewed these people in the flesh before that uh, during the whole Zoom um, uh, trend, obviously, that, that everybody's embraced mm. is because people feel like they're talking to a friend, they again tend to open the book a little bit further. So, mm. and, and you sort of keep them for a little bit longer. Um, and, and, uh, I've quite enjoyed that because oddly, even though we are by definition sort of removed from each other, and this is a remote experience, yeah. I find it's actually uh, much more intimate, mm. you know? So if we are again drawing dividends from this extraordinary time that we've all been through, uh, then I would say as a work tool, and I hasten to add, as a work tool, this is great. I, I soon, um, uh, withdrew, if you like, from Zoom quizzes, uh, <laughs> Zoom parties, mm. um, you know, uh, certainly one-on-ones like we're doing now, great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody was clipping each other's lines. I could hardly hear a thing. Um, and I also feel, and again, I know it's a necessary, not evil, but, it, you know, it, um, you know, it, this is clearly how, uh, for the most part, people are communicating these days, but uh, I always think that virtual to me, by definition, means almost 
So it's not the full experience. So yes, I am safely looking forward to pressing the flesh again and meeting people. Mm. Um, but it will be very interesting to see how, particularly with the entertainment industry, um, how one-on-one -on -one interviews or, or interviews as we used to do the junkets will actually progress moving forward. You know, mm. I think we've seen uh, certainly the, the last for a very, very long time of those extraordinary Marvel studio um, tours <laughs> when, you know, Chris Hemsworth and, you know, and the like would all sort of fly around the world. Yeah. Um, I think there was a tendency to withdraw from those big tours and, and, and you know, every, all the stars going to various territories. There was a tendency mm. for people to withdraw from that. Because I think in particularly with the younger stars is carbon footprint clearly and importantly is a big issue. Um, and the big studios get the optics on that. Mm. Uh, and I think, oh my goodness me, I think, oh, I'm trying to think of the last, I think my last sit down interview was um, with, with a big film star would have been Robert Downey Jr. Mr. Iron Man himself would have oh, been, yeah. or perhaps it was, perhaps it was, um, no, it was round about then. I'm sure it was round about then. And I've had face-to-face -face interviews since. And mm. obviously now we all go through the various layers that we need to to do them safely and have lateral flow tests mm. before we we interview um people um and again it's it's a necessity isn't it so that we can actually mm. start moving forward you know but yes that, that was a very long answer sorry it's <laughs> a very long answer you see what i mean about keeping people talking <laughs> um, it's a very long answer to basically saying i've really enjoyed having sort of the sort of stellar guests in my shed or Dickie's mm. Den, if they dubbed it at work. But I am, it would be great. And I am very much looking forward to to, to meeting people in the, in the flesh again. I, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. And certainly a lot of my friends who work in the theatre are absolutely desperate to get back out there and on the boards, you know? Yeah. Um, very much looking forward to that. I mean, you talked about um, you being in London, obviously, um, but your close connection with Scotland, Scotland um, which I find is quite interesting. Normally you see um, there's quite a distance between people in England and people in Scotland, but to see your love, in, um, and I'm, score, I'm sure many Scots will, will love to see that, your passion for Scotland and coming to visit and being your, when you said your first place to visit is Edinburgh. Um, how was it living in Scotland for, for that period of time when you were young? I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I moved up, my father, just to give it a bit of a backstory, uh, was an engineer for Bristow's Helicopters um, when we lived down south in Hampshire. And uh, he was uh, posted up to uh, Aberdeen mm. because obviously Bristow's Helicopters and, and the relationship they have uh, with the oil rig. So th this was the early 1980s. Um, in fact, back to the Lego, I think my dad softened a blow because I was only 11 years old. My dad softened a blow with some space Lego. <laughs> um, and I'll never forget the journey on the Rattler North on, on an Intercity 125, as they was called back then. They were mm. called back then. And uh, I remember, because I remember distinctly looking out the window and obviously I was a lot shorter then. So I remember the journey up the, the East Coast and how beautiful it got. And then we arrived in Aberdeen and I, I grew up in... Um, in brewery uh, on a cul-de-sac there, as I say, from the age of 11. And I loved it. And it, it wasn't without its jeopardy in the sense that uh, obviously I'd grown up in Hampshire all my life, but I, I think, I think, you know, kids are, uh, are very robust. Mm. And I was an only child, I had a lot of love from, from mum and dad, not that necessarily being an only child means that, that you know, that, that, <laughs> 
but um, I, I had a lot of support from them. And, and mum was very much of the mind, you know, keep the three of us together. And, and like all of us, you've got to go where the work is. So we, so we followed dad mm. and I loved it. And the first year was, um, was interesting because uh, I remember, um, and obviously I'm still in touch with my best mates, Andy and Robert, but I, I texted Andy the other day to say, I'm coming up to Edinburgh. And uh, we were all at Inverurie Academy. Mm. And Andy always retells or tells this tale of uh, me going into his class initially and then being taken out of his class because they thought it might be too rough. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, and he loves telling that story. And I probably look, I look like Kenny from South Park. You know, I, like a line, <laughs> I was a total geek and I, I make no apologies for it. My mm. head is always far too big for my body. I look like a cartoon character. <laughs> Um, and I came up, I suppose, with a quintessentially English accent, although my, my mum's sort of Hampshire and, and dad, God rest his soul, was proper London. London, I'm trying mm. to do the accent. He was brought up just around the corner from me, actually, uh, mm. in East London. So um, it, 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 it made for an interesting, uh, an interesting debut, if you like, um, when I appeared in the Dineys for the first time. Uh, with my little Adidas bag. I remember shaking <laughs> shuffling around. I mean, oh my goodness, the image, the image I'm painting. <laughs> anyway, so I, obviously it, it took, um, everyone was hugely welcoming, but it took a while to sort of, for me to get my rhythm and, and, and find friends. It, uh, yeah, well, I think it took me about six months to sort of, you know, bed in. And it didn't help that my, any form of street cred, which clearly from the image that I've just painted for you, I, I didn't <laughs> really have any, but um, uh, I remember we were in RE, religious education I, I, i'm not sure what they call it now mm, and uh, i remember they were giving out the marks uh now bear in mind that I, as when i moved up there I, I didn't have uh well it took a while obviously to, to, to make friends and so mm. um you know as you would call it you know i was a bit of a swat and i thought well you know i just turned my head to 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 the lessons in hand and so I delved into the good book uh, for my religious education exam. And I remember the Manny Marr, as they called him, Mr. Marr, um, <laughs> they were giving out the marks. And I remember sitting there with a bead on in a cold sweat thinking, oh, please don't come to me. Please don't come to me. Please don't come to me. And he did, came up to me and um, and I, I'd got top marks. And I thought, well, you've probably set me back out. <laughs> about you probably sent me back about three months um, but you know what? I loved it I absolutely love going up there so much so that when the um the Ucker forms were rolled out and it was time to to leave Inverurie Academy and then go off to you know as I say my alma mater in Edinburgh I looked at Glasgow looked at Aberdeen University but I think it's interesting when I reflect on it that I didn't look anywhere else to go to university I didn't mm. want to leave Scotland at all yeah you know I I moved there, as I say, at the age of 11. And when I left home, and I left home early, just 17, um, uh, I didn't want to go anywhere else. And I remember getting to Edinburgh and calling my mum and saying, you know, they say that when you found a place that you really want to stay, you'll, you'll know immediately. Mm. And uh, I think I was on a bus on Lothian Bridge or something. No, I couldn't have been because we didn't have mobiles, did we? But I remember that must have been the moment that crystallised it for me, going on a bus over Lothian Bridge. And I remember uh, ringing mum back at the digs and just saying, I think I've found the place and, and it was Edinburgh. And, and you know, Scotland's always been mm. um, 
a huge part of my life. And uh, it, it's almost like sliding doors. I, I sometimes think, well, what would have happened if I'd stayed down in Hampshire, you know? But I, I can't mm. think like that because um, it was such a rich vein to tap into mm. um, that uh, I can't imagine my life without that history. And mum and dad were absolutely loved it as well. And mum loves to get back as regularly as possible. Mm. Um, she absolutely loved it up there. And she's great. I mean, she's still in touch with loads of people. You know? mm. So, yeah, big, big chapter, a big chapter of my life. Not to mention the young farmers discos we used to go to <laughs> um, in Inch. They were great. I think we'd either go in a Dunes or a Kenny's taxi. There were two taxi phones in Inverary at the time. And uh, we'd all sort of pull resources and hop into these seven-seater taxis and, and head off um, to Inch. And I loved all of that. It, it, mm. it was great. It was great. Mm. I mean, I can only imagine um, you like walking in with your Adidas bag, um, <laughs> trying to make friends uh, with your pure English accent. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm sure it must have been like, and, and the way you speak about Scotland, I mean, it, it's quite incredible for someone who grew up, who was born, I think you said in Hampshire. It's it's a yeah. uh, it's it's a it's very lovely to see. I mean, a bit a couple of facts for you about Scotland um, about Ivory Academy. We were doing the tour just before the the school closed down. I, I, I think, ah, you know, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 the famous Ivory Academy building. Just before it closed down, we were doing tours, and I was reading the sheet. Uh, Mr. Jones, our head teacher, gave it to us, and it said that a grenade um, was actually found in one of the the playing in the school playing field. Yeah, um, someone brought a pistol into the school and shot out a window. <laughs> I hope you're not trying to lay these charges at me. I don't know, do you know when that was. I mean, so I was at Inverary Academy, as I say, loose 81 to what, 86. Mm. I went to university, Edinburgh 87. Uh, the, the pistol doesn't ring any bell, but I think the grenade does. So I don't know whether that was part of mm. the Academy's folklore back then anyway already by the time I started or whether it happened during my tenure there. But um, I was gutted not to come up and, and take a tour of the old building. But I actually mm. have in my possession, which I'm thrilled because I, I, I loved taking photos back then. And obviously we're talking 35 millimeter stuff. So mm. I have a collection of about eight photo albums from my particular time at Embury Academy. Uh, and each one of them is named after a particular song that was a hit at the time. Oh, so wow. if you're of my age, um, <laughs> there would be the final countdown. There would be Living on a Prayer. There would be Don't Lead Me This Way. Uh, you know, the soundtrack of I Use Suspicious Minds by Fine Young Cannibals. You know, mm. that, just to put it into context, that 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 was the era that, that I went through in Brewery Academy. And I've still got all those albums and uh, I have all the names, as, as you often do with, your secondary school and your primary school pals, but in this case, obviously secondary. I have all the names typed out and I used to type them out on a typewriter. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> in the absence of any technology back then, even a dot matrix printer was beyond our chain. <laughs> and I've typed them all out. And they're a fantastic, um, uh, if you like, Bible of, of our times there, you know? Um, so I'm very lucky to have that. And I've got some great pictures of the old building, you know, when we used to have uh, a, a whiteout or whatever, you, you know, when, you know, the snow. Because remember, mm. I, you know, it's a cliche, but we never used to have an awful lot of snow in Hampshire. Certainly not like 
we used to get you know when you used to get those days off at school yeah. I used to love all that so yeah fond memories great friends and uh as I say you know I can't imagine how my life would have turned out were it not for the fact that um I I went to Embury Academy if I'm really honest and 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 crucially broadly more broadly speaking um if I hadn't fallen in with all the friends I had there and mm. and, and I, I had a ball I really did I had an absolute ball yeah I mean Scotland's such a great place to be uh, I feel like I'm promoting Scotland here um Scotland <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of love you know there is a lot of love for Scotland yeah. coming from this this shed in the bottom of a garden in North London <laughs> so uh let's embrace it because yeah. like I say you know I've I've done a lot I've coloured a lot in and were it not for those roots and that springboard uh i like i say got no idea where i'd end up probably in a skip outside nando's actually which <laughs> has been still known to happen on a very giddy night <laughs> not of late because we've been under lock and key too long um i was just about to talk about that nth national television awards yeah um, there is this little friction um between you and uh, oh good morning britain and and this morning winning that <laughs> prize <laughs> Winning that prized um, daytime television show or um, morning and breakfast show, how yeah. is it going to to such a, a big event? Meeting all these um, big um, people, movie stars, so on and so on. How how do you feel when you go to? Have you been to the Oscars, the the Grammys, so on and so on? Grammys, yes. Uh, in town for the Emmys, Oscars, no. But every award ceremony you can possibly imagine in this country, yes. <laughs> Now, the National Television Awards is, is a bit like a works do, really. Um, mm. uh, because it is that time when a lot of people, uh, you know, get together after Christmas. It's always in January, so it's really bleak. I think this yeah. year they're hoping, fingers crossed, that it's going to be uh, September time, obviously, because mm. it was postponed. Uh, but it's it's always very bleak. There's a biting wind cutting across that red carpet. <laughs> so all the fans who were there, more power to them. I always wear my trademark. Chocolate Brown's featuring again, Shane, right? <laughs> Chocolate Brown, fake fur coat with this extraordinary electric pink lining that I got on a fire cell for about 150 quid years and years ago and never had uh, the balls to wear it. And mm. then it, because uh, the, the award season in the UK is genuinely Baltic from BAFTA, <laughs> the NTAs, uh, I would wear this coat and it would, it became a bit of a gimmick and people would sort of flock to it for a bit of warmth. Mm. Um, so to answer your question, going to those dues is, it, it, it feels a bit like a family affair, to be honest, a bit of a night out, because we don't get a lot of them in the sense that, you know, I'm, mm. I'm early to bed because I'm up at the crack of a sparrow's cough, but it, attending them, um, because over the years, I suppose I've interviewed so many people that, that mm. they kind of come to you because they know it's a safe pair of hands. Mm. So I always quite enjoy the sport of a red carpet. Mm. Uh, they can be very long. The Brits, <laughs> the days when the Brits had a red carpet, and of course the last one was last year. You're on that red carpet for between three and four hours. Goodness me. When you think that that will be uh, only a minute to a minute 15 of a VT that you run in the show the next day, that's a... Mm a lot of um, banter yeah it uh, doesn't necessarily make the cut but I love the sport of it mm. you know I love the sport of it uh so I I, I suppose yeah I've, I've missed that in a way but I think it's because I've missed um 
being with my colleagues, you know, more, mm. and, and not just the ones I work with on Good Morning Britain, but uh, more broadly speaking, the people that over the last 25 years you sort of floated up through the industry with. Yeah. And that was something that was taught to us at journalism school. So when I did my MA in English language and literature at Edinburgh and then left and came down to London and did uh, a, a postgraduate in journalism at City University, which is not far from where I am now, uh, I remember a journalist uh, came to talk to us and he said, uh, you know, that's the beauty of this industry. You will end up... Um, becoming friends, falling in love, possibly getting married. But the joy that you will experience is the fact that you end up floating through the industry together. Mm. And, and that's very, that, that has happened. I mean, I, look, I don't want to over-romanticize that because as, <laughs> as you can imagine, like any industry, it's fraught with minefields. And I think 99% of it is just keeping a presence. And 1% is every so often rising above and saying, well, look, I'm still here. I'm still here, you know? <laughs> Not quite relevant, but I'm still here. <laughs> So, and he was bang on this journalist who came to talk to us. He was absolutely bang on the money because we have grown up through the industry together. And I'm not talking necessarily about the people you always see front of house. I'm talking mm. about the crews that we work with. I'm talking about uh, fellow journalists. I'm talking about all of the industry across every discipline, be it television, radio, print mm. or theatre, whatever, film, TV. Um, it, it's lovely to have that thread through. So I've missed that. I've missed the banter. And I've missed mm. seeing people out and about. You know, I, I really have, but I, I yeah, I enjoy them. And I, I, I think, I think some people sit on the fence with red carpets because I think a lot of people don't particularly enjoy them. Because mm. um, uh, all eyes are on you. Everyone's looking for a frocky horror or a slip up a bit, increasingly, <laughs> you know. So, mm. I don't. I, I, and yet, some people really rise to it, you mm. know, and, and love it and embrace it. For me, it's all part of the sport of what I do. Yeah, you know, I take it just seriously enough to deliver a, a good VT the morning after. <laughs> And at least I always have an excuse, because I tend to bolt from the red carpets, mate. But at least I have an excuse. If I'm bleary-eyed in the morning, I've been on the job, not necessarily the source, right? So if I screw up in a link the following morning, it's like, oh, Dickie's been out on the tiles again, great. So it's all part of the character, mate. It's all part yeah. of the character. Um, I mean, we've seen those great videos of um, Holly and, and Phil um, on the bed, um, barely awake, Abel from um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the NTAs. Is that you? Um, when you <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I tell you what, because actually, this this will shatter anyone's sort of illusions if they, if indeed they can a pick me out of a lineup or b have followed anything that I've done over the last twenty five years. <laughs> um, I uh, I sort of I lay off the source when I'm at those dues, mm -hmm. and and because I'm generally working them at the beginning. By the time I get in, um, the uh, the bar is either shut or dry. <laughs> um, so I don't get to sort of indulge myself perhaps as, as some of my colleagues who've been A, lucky enough to win awards or, or B, actually tear up the rugby entire night. <laughs> uh, I mean, gone are the days, mate, when I'd sort of try and get my leg over the rope and gate crash awards. was <laughs> in the mid-90s. I don't know how we had the front to do that. I think I tried with a friend. In fact, I know this story. Arthur's mum and I did try to gate crash Rod Stewart's birthday party in the mid-90s. <laughs> Arthur, my godson, who I mentioned. So, mm. you know, gone of those days <laughs> fortunately you know i get invited because i've been around a long time um be it out of pity or just like well yeah, invite him make it go away because you know he won't, <laughs> won't stay long because he has to get up and go to bed so more often than not i'm back either watching the awards ceremony on television or um i'm watching a box set which is shocking doesn't it <laughs> but i would have already had my caper on the red carpet anyway mm. so you know it it, it, it 
They are, they are fun times. Actually, now, mate, you're making me nostalgic for it. <laughs> I didn't think I would get nostalgic quite as much for it because I've been doing it for so long. But I think it's something that, yeah, well, like, certainly for me anyway, I can't answer for the whole industry, but it's certainly something that I've missed, you know. It'll, yeah. be, it'll be great to get back out there again. Yeah. I mean, you. I, I talked about in the intro um, of you having your own show. How did that come around, Richard Arnold? Um, oh, the Richard morning Arnold show. I'm yeah, the Richard Arnold show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had various shows in the past. Um, a quiz show I was particularly fond of doing, which I did for about three seasons. That was Take It or Leave It. And uh, the Richard Arnold show was a summer replacement for Entertainment Today, which we did over two summers when I was mm. at, at GTV. And that that was that was great fun. And it, it, the, it, it's weird seeing your name on mugs <laughs> and merchandise. Yeah. Uh, that was weird. And also um, when they were trying to figure out the name for it and then I got a phone call and I was just going on a flight, oddly enough, to visit some friends in Copenhagen. And they said, oh, you know what? We've decided we're just going to call it the Richard Alter. Just call what it, what it, you know, <laughs> call it what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, it was terrific sport. I loved it. I mean, I, I, the quiz show, I think if I'm really honest, I preferred more because I like being with punters, you know? I love the mm. gameplay. Um, I love just meeting people, hearing their stories. Mm. Uh, that's what I love. And I suppose that's why I sort of came into to journalism in the first place. It wasn't just to interview celebrities as such or whatever. I, mm. I just think everyone's got a story worth listening to, to be quite honest. And mm. um, believe it or not, unlike this podcast, I do actually pause to let them answer the question. <laughs> um, I think my my advice to anyone who, you know, was sort of stepping out into a similar uh field of work is I think you know you sort of top and tail things with your own style and then um let them color it in in the in the middle you know so mm. that's kind of always been my modus operandi and um yeah like I'm still here clinging like a cat to a curtain <laughs> <laughs> oh um, and you did Strictly as well I mean that was oh. great fun James, like that touch paper, mate, and retreat. I could talk about it. One thing Piers used to say when he was on the show, Mr. Morgan himself, of course, used to say, what is it about all of you that have done Strictly? You're absolutely obsessed with it. It is a weird thing, mate, when you get into that bubble. And the first time I did it was 2012. I was in the bottom two the first week. Um, I blame Love Shack. Never been my most favourite song with the greatest respect to people who do like it. Mm. Uh, Certainly wasn't my cha-cha. Although it was more of a mince, <laughs> Greg Revel Hallwood uh, was at great uh, lengths to uh, to make clear on the night, uh, and I went through every arc, up and down, forgot my steps, voted back in, do whatever dances, you know, the dance offs, mm. and made it to week seven, um, and then I was invited back to do the Christmas special a couple of years ago, and again, that's another thing where you go, wow, because when you get that call, you've got to mm. go, well, you've got to do it. It's BBC One, it's Christmas Day, and. <laughs> It's strictly, you can't say no, even yeah. if you're like, oh, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. And then you think, well, it's not live. Um, and there's no jeopardy because you're not going to be voted off. It's just a one-off, right? Yeah. You, you've got to do it, Rich. So I did it and I was dressed as the Grinch. I was dressed as, as the Grinch for hours. <laughs> hours, looking in green tights, covered in green paint, you know, daubed in everything, hair teased into a frenzy. <laughs> and I did it with a lovely uh, Luba, who's a regular on the show. And Erin mm. um, was my partner before, Erin Bogue. And I've got to tell you, I loved it. They coach you through the experience. They hold your hand. They have a hand on your heart. Um because for me, as someone who wasn't clearly a dancer and also not uh, a, 
a drama school kid, if you like, mm. or a boy band or a girl band or an actor or anything like that. It wasn't a natural home for me, but for me, it was Saturday night, shiny floor, and it was a show <laughs> I loved. And so to be immersed in it, I, I felt like a competition winner, to be honest. Mm. So I loved it. In fact, behind me, there's a picture of me and Aaron, in fact, and the 2012 lineup, because uh, it was, um, and, and even a little Radio Times cover there of all of us. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the the greatest privilege about it is, obviously it's a cross-generational show. It's got a massive fan base, but Mm. um, you're in the arms of a professional who's given up their time to to teach you. And it is incredible. I love the learning of it. Mm. And I love the walking down the stairs in the costumes, right? (laughs) Then it was the dance you had to do. And you're like, oh no. Uh, But we did all right, I think. We, we, as I say, Erin and I got to week seven and Luba and I, we were bottom of the leaderboard that Christmas, but uh, it was it was cracking. And I suppose, you know, it doesn't get much better than sort of BBC One on a Saturday, you know, Christmas day. Mum was proud, let's put it yeah, that way. Mom, she loved it, you know? yeah. And the godchildren were a little bit like, oh, Uncle Rick. <laughs> yeah, mate. But yeah, so it's a great family to be part of. And, and Piers mm. was right. I mean, people who've been on it, my colleague Ramvir did really well last time, of course, mm. last year. And... Uh, they've all been on it, Kate, Charlotte, Susanna. Um, so I feel like I'm in good company. And when you do start talking about it and when you've had that experience, it's nice that you've chalked that experience up, mm. right? Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it, was, it was a great thing to be part of, you know? Mm. I mean, you've worked with the likes of, uh, as we said, Mr. Piers Morgan himself, um, um, Charlotte Hawkins, um, Susanna Reid. You still, I see like you work, but you still continue to work with them. Um, Yeah, yeah, you've got, um, who else have you worked with? You've worked with loads of people. Um, Ben Shepard. I I mean, we're going way back. And, and, you know, and and everyone very much still there, you know, in terms of the family of faces. I loved working with Piers, but I've known Piers for years anyway. He was with us for five years. He certainly made it feel live. And it was (laughs) was a great sport when we were with him. Uh, And I think he genuinely changed the face of, um, you know, breakfast television in every Mm. respect. You know, tore up the running order and we just ran with it. Whatever Mm. stoked the polls of um, the nation or who... Uh, the issues, the burning issues of the day. And he was mm. very much, as Dr. Hillary put it, our general, if you like, leading us through the pandemic and reflected very much how people felt. Mm. So I, I, I yeah, I, I miss working um, with him. Although I didn't get to work with him a lot for a whole year because we weren't allowed in the same room. <laughs> um, <laughs> so because of the pandemic, um, you know, I, I was effectively put out to pasture for a few months, but yeah, I loved working with him. And I've known Piers for years anyway, you mm. know, and he's very, um, very generous and very um, loyal. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of weird to get to an age where you've been part of that breakfast television narrative, as I say, part of that fabric for such a long time. Um, if slightly worn now mm. <laughs> as I write with an age but uh it, I, I've loved it because again back to that sort of you know you, you get to meet ordinary people extraordinary people or you know ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances you get to shake the hands of prime ministers sporting heroes but also anyone who's in the headlines um and you know as we know those headlines are, can be brut- brutal and quite painful sometimes so you get to meet people from all walks of life and generally um i've said this before but it it rings true even now is you know if people are in the news then they're generally in the studio so you get um you get to meet people Mm. uh who as i say are are making the news every day and that my friend after so many years never ever gets old 
Yeah. I mean, it's such a presenting and um, being on TV. It's, it's I can imagine it's such a like a homely, um, a very acute experience. Um, and only a set amount of people can um, can can experience it and can connect with you on the level of that. I've got one more question before we end off the podcast. Um, normally for, for my guests, I, know I, I like to say, can you pick out anything in the room that you are or in, in your house? <laughs> to, no, right, you, you know, and you know what, Sean, you're not going to do it because there's so much tat in here, right? <laughs> I am. I am going to do it. Um, I'm going to give you, it seems like you've got everything around you, but I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to grab something that you think best represents you. Wow. Okay, uh, I will do that. Um, now, I have a collection of Stetsons. Uh, this particular Stetson was from the launch of the Dallas television series Reboot, um, and I hosted in 2012 uh, the party to welcome the Dallas Reboot back to Channel 5, or obviously mm. it's... It, its original home was um, was the BBC. So Dallas, we have to end on in many respects. One, because uh, it was my number one TV show. As anyone who knew me growing up at school, um, in fact, I used to cut my driving lessons short so I could get back to watch it on a Wednesday. <laughs> Don't ask me, Shane, why I didn't book my driving lessons on another day. Probably the availability of the driving instructor. But he was very patient. And he always got me back in home to Dallas on BBC Scotland. Mm. Um, now, at this party, I, I, I've met many of the cast over the years. The late, great Larry Hagman, who played JR. Linda Gray, who played Sue Ellen, who is an absolute doll. Uh, Patrick Duffy, all of them. So they were there. Uh, for the Dallas party. Mm. There were Longhorn cattle out on the Thames. There was a huge South Fork arch, which for those people who, who've ever watched the show, that of course is the home of the Ewing family who are the centerpiece of the show. Mm. And I grew up watching that show. And if you'd have told me when I was watching Dallas, um, and bear in mind, it's, we're in the full thrust of the 1980s here. Mm. Uh, I'm living in oil rich Aberdeen, although we didn't see a lot of the money, mate, you know, as I said. <laughs> That's all the oil, but it was only on his hands when he was fixing the helicopters. <laughs> but it very much um, epitomised the, the lust and the greed and, you know, the times of the 80s. If you'd have told me that um, I'd end up one day hosting a party for the cast and sipping margaritas with them, I never would have believed it. But as my mum and dad have always said to me, uh, you know, it's not so much where you're at as where you, you're going, you know, where you're heading. And I think a lot of youngsters in particular, a lot of people, have been, we felt so discombobulated in these times that um, particularly, you know, when you're young and you're feeling slightly out of joint with everything that's going on, is well, essentially just keep the faith and go through life with good grace mm. and manners and um, tequila. <laughs> and you may get there in the end, you know. I'm a margarita shape. Got to love a margarita. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So there are a few steps in here. Um, some of them actually do fit. Like I said, I've got a, a massive mm. heat. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I've been lucky enough to go to Texas many times, and I, I feel very blessed by that. But yeah, that probably sums me up. Mm. Richard, it's, I mean, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Um, it feels like I'm in the shed with you talking to you um, face to face. I, I am. Can I am. <laughs> of course, of course, I take any day. Absolutely. No, Shane, you've been a great company, mate, and I really appreciate you taking the time out and, and uh, first and foremost, inviting me to talk about a period of my life that, um, as we've gathered, I, I cherished very, mm. very much. 
So yeah. I appreciate that, mate. And I wish you all the very best with your own career <laughs> and uh, where you head off to next. Thank you so much. And I'm sure those who are watching, whether it's Spotify, um, Google Play, Apple, um, so on, so on, are, are felt like they were talking to you as well, listening into our conversation, um, hopefully with open ears. Um, so, yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Be sure to like on the platforms that I said, Spotify and follow um, Google Play, Apple Music and YouTube um, to the Digital Den pod. Richard, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I will do, if not with open ears, certainly an open bottle. <laughs> <laughs>